Hey, you're listening to Yo, This Can't Be Life, the podcast that aims to educate and inform black women on how to take better care of their physical, mental, and financial health. I'm your host, Bree Montgomery, and I'm inviting you to join me as I interview resident experts to find out the cheat codes to living your best life. The information provided is intended to be general advice and should not be considered medical advice. For that, please consult your medical professional. MD FAAD is a board certified dermatologist serving the Atlanta area. She practiced medical, surgical, and cosmetic dermatology with special interest in skin of color, injectable fillers, and neuromodulators, as well as skin cancer detection and prevention. Dr. Clay loves the diversity of patients and diseases seen in dermatology. Having dealt with skin issues herself, she prides herself on empathizing with patients and forming relationships with them to improve outcome. Dr. Clay received her bachelor's degree in biology at Dillard University, where she graduated magna cum laude. She received her medical doctorate at Mahari Medical College. Dr. Clay completed her dermatology residency at St. Louis University, where she serves as chief resident during her senior year. Dr. Clay also prides herself on philanthropy as a volunteer at skin cancer screenings, health fairs, and community dermatology clinic. Dr. Clay is board certified by the American Board of Dermatology. So at this time, I'd like to welcome Dr. Tiffany Clay to the show. Thank you for having me. How did you get started in dermatology? Well, in my, I guess, teenage years, I knew that I wanted to be a doctor. I initially thought I wanted to be an OBGYN just because I like taking care of people, like helping people feel better. But I also realized I didn't want those hours. And I also do not like working in hospitals. So just growing up and having different experiences and having minor problems and issues with my skin that kind of steered me more towards dermatology. So kind of thought about it early on and, mm-hmm. and just pushed through until it, it, it came to fruition. Well, I'm so happy you did decide to help us out because what I've been finding out, it is very important for people um, with darker skin tones to go to people who specialize in darker skin tones. So when we talk about um, darker skin tones, one of the things that seems to be hitting us harder is hyperpigmentation. What causes hyperpigmentation and is there a way that we can kind of prevent or lessen it? Yes. So hyperpigmentation um, is what most people think of as a dark spot and some people call it, incorrectly call it a scar. So hyperpigmentation is just literally a dark mark that's left behind from some form of skin injury or trauma or inflammation. So traditionally, I think most commonly I see it after acne or after a a rash like eczema comes up that the skin turns a little bit darker. And in those of us who have um, darker skin types, we almost always will produce a little bit more melanin after an injury or after trauma or inflammation. And that's what we see as our hyperpigmentation Whereas people with really, really light skin will, instead of having hyperpigmentation, their skin will turn red temporarily after some sort of 
you know, inciting factor. So there are so many different things that can cause hyperpigmentation. Number one, to prevent it, prevent what's causing it. So if you are getting a lot of dark spots from acne, how do you stop them from coming up? Stop the acne. So it's always about taking a step back versus trying to treat the dark spots without treating what's causing them because you're kind of going to be chasing your tail. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. So for those of us who do have persistent acne, what are some of the first things we can look at to prevent the acne in the first place? If it's hormonal acne, you know, then of course, for any type of acne, I would say definitely to see a dermatologist to get guidance and to see if prescription medications are needed, uh, topical prescriptions or, or medications that you might need to take by mouth, but definitely, you know, getting to the root of the problem. So if it's a more of a, a hormonal acne or cystic acne, you know, treating that with a pill like spironolactone or taking birth control, if it's the type of acne that's all over that you've had for several years or had since you were a teenager, you know, there are several other options like topical prescriptions, Accutane, if it's, if it's bad enough or severe enough. So partnering with a dermatologist to take care of your skin to treat the acne. Okay. And what are some of the signs that it's more of a hormonal thing versus some of the other kinds of acne? Typically hormonal acne, it it likes the lower half of the face a little bit more. So around the chin, the jawline, sometimes um, top part of the neck, and they tend to be cystic a little bit more often than not. So that these are those pimples that are kind of under the skin that you sometimes you can see them, sometimes you can't, but you can certainly feel them under there and they hurt a good bit of the time. Mm -hmm. And they also might flare up more often the week of and the week before your period comes Although you could break out, you know, any day of the, the month, it may get worse during that time of the month. Okay. So for those of us who are battling these type of things, what types of cleansing regimens would you suggest? If you are having really any type of acne, I would suggest, you know, honestly, I can't say one in particular. So it depends on what type of acne you have. For some people, if their skin is a little bit more on the sensitive side, then I would say to stick with a hydrating cleanser. Mm -hmm. If your skin is more oily or if your skin can tolerate a little bit more, you could alternate a gentle cleanser with something that has an exfoliant in it, like glycolic acid or lactic acid, which are your alpha hydroxy acids. Mm -hmm. Um, And And for some people, they'll actually need to use a medicated cleanser that has something called benzoyl peroxide in it, which is an antibiotic that we use for acne-prone skin. And that you can find it over-the-counter, actually. Oh, okay. So I know a lot of times some of these things can get really expensive. Do you have any um, low-budget options over-the-counter that have consistently worked well for people? Well, since no one is paying me, I'm not going to name drop, but benzoyl peroxide is in several different over-the-counter cleansers. It does make the skin a little bit more dry. So for most people, probably are just going to use it once a day. And then otherwise, just using a gentle cleanser that second time of day that you wash your skin is, is probably a good idea. Okay. All right. And what are your thoughts on double cleansing? 
Um, I think double cleansing is good if you are very oily or if you have on makeup that you're trying to remove at the end of the, of the day. So it definitely helps to remove the remaining dirt and makeup and impurities from the pores. So if I double cleanse, I tend to start with an oil-based cleanser and that helps to kind of remove a lot of the makeup. And then I follow up with a water-based or just a gentle cleanser that will help clean everything off afterwards. And you could also do a double cleanse with micellar water. So, you know, you could use micellar water first to get the remainder of your makeup off and then you could use a cleanser after that. Okay, that sounds good. So lately, because everyone is wearing masks more often, there's um, this new kind of acne, I guess, that they're labeling masne. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? And how can we try to avoid or at least lessen the severity of that? Maskne is what we traditionally think of as acne, but it could also be another type of rash, which is called perioral dermatitis or perioral dermatitis. That's really common around the nose and around the mouth and chin. So you can definitely try to start treating it at home, but if it's not improving, once again, go see your, your neighborhood dermatologist. <laughs> um, so number one, many of us have that favorite mask, but you need to wash your mask. So it's important that after you wear your mask, you know, get, get a nice little rotation going with your mask so that at the end of each day, you can hand wash the mask that you wore that day and let it air dry or that you can put it in the laundry um, and let it air dry afterwards because you could be leaving dirt, oil, germs on your mask and then putting it right back on your face the next day, which is obviously not, not helpful if you're breaking out. The next thing is adding in cleansers. So if you are having a lot of buildup on the skin, then you may want to start using an alpha hydroxy acid cleanser or a glycolic acid cleanser. If you are feeling like you're having uh, breakouts that may you know, or if you're a little bit more sensitive and you don't need the acid type uh, cleansers, the chemical exfoliating type cleansers, then you could throw in once a day that benzoyl peroxide cleanser. And you could also use spot treatments. There is a really great over-the-counter retinoid or vitamin A medication that's called adapalene. And it, it actually used to be a prescription medicine, but adapalene is a great product to add into your regimen at nighttime because it helps to turn over your skin cells it helps to calm down inflammation. It's anti-aging, but it's technically its number one job is to improve acne. So there, there are a few brands, Differin Gel, La Roche-Posay. Um, there may be others that sell Adapalene 0.1% over the counter. And with that, you just have to start it slowly. So you would, you would use it on the face maybe like twice to three times a week to start off with and then kind of slowly increase your use to it, increase your use of it to nightly if, if you can tolerate it pretty well. Okay. That sounds like a winner. And also limiting makeup. You know, if you're <laughs> wearing a mask, put your eyebrows on, put on some mascara, but you really don't need the makeup because that's obviously going to add one more layer under your mask that is clogging your pores. Okay. So for those of us who, even without the mask, um, tend to find out that they have clogged pores a lot, what are some type of things that you can do to combat that? 
So you can use chemical exfoliants once again. So mm -hmm. glycolic acid, lactic acid, you can salicylic acid as well. Uh, you can also add in that retinoid to your regimen. So you could do the adapalene. If you're a little bit more sensitive, you can use an, an over-the-counter retinol, which is a little bit milder. And th these are things that just kind of make your skin cells turn over. So you're shedding off the dead surface layer faster and you're, you're, um, you're increasing the recovery of the skin. Okay. And that also helps with discoloration too. Oh, well, that's great. Bonus. So added bonus. Right, yeah, added bonus. Um, I, I hear a lot of times like you can't really shrink pores, but then I see all these pore shrinking products. Mm -hmm. So what's the real deal on that? They are lies. <laughs> I, I tell everyone your pores are yours. Just like you got your eye color and your looks and things like that from your parents. Like you were born with those pores and you're going to die with those pores. Now, you can minimize the appearance of the pores. So I think instead of the misnomer of shrinking them or making them look, making them smaller, you definitely can make them look smaller. So I like to think of a pore like a, like a sock, like a tube sock. So it has elastic and it's nice and firm and it, it holds really tightly to, to your leg, right? So it has a little compression to it. Now, if you lose a lot of collagen, which we can liken to the elastic in the sock, then, you know, your sock is going to get looser. It's going to be kind of wrinkly. And that is one thing that makes the pores look larger is if the skin is very, um, if you're losing a lot of collagen as you age and also just not having a lot of hydration in the skin can make the, the pores look larger. But then also, if you think about another sock, if you put a bunch of junk in it, it's going to be a loose sock as well. So you really want to make sure that your pores are unclogged and that helps to minimize the appearance of them greatly. So ways to do that are you can get a facial, you can get a hydrofacial, which uses a little bit of suction to clean out the pores. You can use topical products like your chemical exfoliant cleansers. You can use your retinols, which also helps to minimize the, the junk that is stuck in your pores. So several different things that can be done, but there's no 100% no true way to actually shrink them for good. Okay. I mean, you, you had to tell us the truth. Yes. So if we're trying to get on the good foot, get us a skin regimen going, I see some people have like 10 steps. Some people have five steps. Like what are the must have products or I guess steps in a good solid skin regimen? I would say definitely your probably your, well, I was about to say your top three, but your number one is sunscreen. Number one. And I'll, I'll go over a ton of things that sunscreen can help. And yes, you know, even with black skin, we need sunscreen. So definitely a sunscreen that you are willing to wear every day. So you have to find one that you like. Number two is obviously a cleanser. Number three is a moisturizer. So, you know, that's your bare bones basic routine. You want to be able to cleanse your skin. You want to be able to moisturize it. Uh, morning and night and you also want to have your sun protection during the daytime and then outside of that everything else is a bonus so for your bonus 
you know, if, especially if you're trying to start an anti-aging regimen, then you are going to want to add in an antioxidant. So something that has vitamin C, you probably will put that on before your sunscreen in the morning. And at nighttime, you would add on a retinol or a retinoid. And that would be put on first. And then you could put your night moisturizer on top. And the, the vitamin C helps to brighten the complexion. It helps with preventing and minimizing hyperpigmentation. And you'll also actually in the body, you need vitamin C to make collagen. So that's going to help with anti-aging. And your retinol at night is going to help keep your pores unclogged. It's going to help exfoliate the skin. It'll give you a healthy glow. It's going to help you make new collagen, which minimizes fine lines and wrinkles. And, and then going back to the sunscreen, there are so many things that sunscreen actually prevents. So if you are prone to hyperpigmentation, you're going to be preventing a lot of that by wearing your sunscreen daily because not only are we prone to getting hyperpigmentation from the sunlight and from ultraviolet rays. But now we know that blue light devices can darken the skin too. So that means your computer screen, your cell phone, your tablets, all of those things that you're exposed to that you might wear like blue light blocking glasses for. Hello, it can affect the skin too. And, um, and so for hyperpigmentation, you definitely want sunscreen for anti-aging the sun is the number one thing that we're exposed to that breaks down our collagen and makes our skin age faster so you definitely want to have that sunscreen on every day to prevent that from happening as well and number three skin cancer although it's very rare in people with skin of color it's definitely still apparent it's still around and it skin cancer doesn't discriminate so you definitely want to protect your face every day from potentially cancer causing rays Okay, thank you so much for that. And I recently had my first ever skin um, cancer screening. Mm-hmm. And the That's lady good. was telling me that it's kind of hard to determine on darker skins because when they were trained, none of the pictures and stuff that they were using um, had the darker skin tones, which is just wild to me. That just. It's true shows how much you know people just just don't care because why would that big part of the population you, you wouldn't you wouldn't teach somebody how to look out and notice in them and she was saying that there's like a student that's working on trying to get pictures of everything to be used um for instruction which is crazy that a student had to be the one to try to get that started. It's also probably because the student has way more time than we do right now. Right, (laughs) and I'm saying educational (laughs) institution, like if you're a college and you teach this to students, one would think, you know, a college or even the other people who make other textbooks or the other um, educational material, why wouldn't it be important to them to use darker skin tones in that but uh, well that's why that you know it's it's a medical disparity right absolutely that's a whole nother show that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm probably going to have to get into one day because this kind of stuff keeps coming up and you know it's it needs to be talked about definitely but okay back to back to this mm-hmm. when we're discussing sunscreen 
Now, I, I see that there's like, how much should we use and how often? So typically, if you're thinking about, you know, just going out to the pool or to the beach, or if you'll be outside for a long time, you and you have a, a sunscreen that is a liquid type, mm-hmm. you are supposed to put on the amount that equates to what's in the shot glass. So that's a lot of sunscreen. So that's mm-hmm. really how much you should be putting on your entire body. And if you have been outside for two hours, you should reapply every two hours. And if you are very sweaty or you go swimming and you get wet, you should reapply immediately after. Now, that unfortunately does not always happen, but those are the guidelines. Right. And, um, and you know, I think a lot of people think like, okay, well, I'm going to the beach and I'm going to lay out and get this tan, even though I have my sunscreen on. Well, if you're going to wear the sunscreen and you want to actually have that protection, Put your sunscreen on, but you can't lay out. You have to be under an umbrella or under a cabana or under some sort of shade structure so that you're actually getting the full benefit of wearing the sunscreen. So it's like if you if you're going to lay out and tan and then put sunscreen on, it's like trying to lose. It's like what what do they say? Um, You can't out exercise a bad diet. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like that. Like you just can't. There's not enough sunscreen to outrun the sun. Right. Okay. Um, and then for the face, the face is a little bit different and the face is tough. So um, you definitely want to apply it in, you know, apply your sunscreen on your face. And when you apply it on your face, don't forget your ears and your neck and the, the top part of the chest. So apply it to those areas. And then during midday, I usually will reapply mine with a powder brush so that, you know, if I have on a little makeup or something on my skin already, that I can use a, a mineral powder to reapply my sunscreen. But you definitely do if you've been at work for a while, you know, when you go back out midday or it's time to go drive home, then I would suggest to reapply your sunscreen. Okay, so I'm hearing that there are two types of sunscreens. Are there any one that works better or is it a personal preference thing? Um, So, yeah, so there are two traditional types. There's mineral or physical and there's chemical. And so physical sunscreens typically have titanium or titanium dioxide or zinc oxide in them. And these are natural minerals that sit on the skin and they reflect the sunlight. And then your chemical sunscreens are substances that contain, they contain ingredients like avobenzone or oxybenzone. And these are absorbed into the skin and they they absorb the sunlight as well. So when you're thinking about sunscreens for brown skin, most people are actually going to lean towards a chemical sunscreen because those are the ones that tend to not leave that like whitish sheen on the skin, that white cast. However, there are studies that are that are coming out here and that have, that have recently come out last year stating that some of that could be absorbed into the bloodstream. And so we really don't know at this point how that affects the body. We just don't know. So now us dermatologists are leaning more towards recommending mineral sunscreens. So Mineral sunscreens are going to block out ultraviolet A and B, so both wavelengths of light that we're usually exposed to um, from the sun. And they do a way better job at protecting your skin against 
or pr protecting your skin and preventing hyperpigmentation and the aging process from happening. So if you had to pick one, I definitely would go with a physical or mineral sunscreen. The trouble is that they sometimes leave that whitish cast on the skin or you look like you have a mask on. Mm -hmm. So there's actually an ingredient that's called iron oxide and a few mineral sunscreens actually have iron oxide in them. And the iron oxide is a little color. So it gives it a little bit of a tint, which helps it to blend into the skin better. But iron oxides are amazing products because they block all the other types of light sources that could touch your skin. So they are going to keep out that blue light from your screens. They're really, really good products to have in your regimen if you are you know, more prone to hyperpigmentation and mineral sunscreens are better for people with sensitive skin because the chemicals tend to cause allergies and irritations. Oh, okay. Yeah. So definitely putting that on my list <laughs> because that was a lot of good things all in one. Okay. So for those of us who have found, um, that they've tried like the acids, some of the alpha hydroxy acids and things like that you mm -hmm. were talking about. Are there certain things that we shouldn't mix or are there other products that we shouldn't do while we are doing those? Um, it really is about just, you know, how much can your skin take? I always suggest if you are adding in a new product, I, I for sure would say to add things in slowly. So if you go to Sephora or you go to your doctor's office and you purchase a lot of new products, start one product per week. So pick, you know, whatever your day to start is, let's say Monday. So you start your new product on Monday and you'll have that whole week to use that new product and see if you agree with it. And if it agrees with you, because if your skin doesn't like something, it may not respond immediately. It may take a few days and you might have a delayed reaction or a delayed allergy to it. So it's better to definitely go slowly when adding things into your routine and not go all in one, um, all at once. And really it's about layering things in a safe way. So you probably wouldn't want to use several different acids back to back because that could cause a lot of dryness and irritation and could lead to some issues down the line, like hyperpigmentation could get actually get worse. But um, there actually, there's no really big rule that I can think of, mm -hmm. you know, or nothing that I can say off the top of my head that you want to avoid, but you definitely want to go slowly. When do you get the in-office, like dermatologist's office chemical pills or the um, microdermabrasions? Like at what point do you say I need the next step? I guess if you're not seeing results at home. Okay. Or even if you're if you have no idea where to start and at home, then then start off with a dermatologist. You can't go you can't do any harm by starting with a dermatologist and then learning the best steps to take for your skin and adjusting okay. from there. All right. So when we're trying to look for a dermatologist, what are the things that we want to look for to make sure that we're, you know, getting someone we can trust with our face or whatever? Uh, start with asking family and friends, ask people who their dermatologist is, because I doubt anyone would, would refer someone that they didn't have a good experience with. Yeah. So, so try to, try to get a referral from someone that, you know, if you don't know anyone that, that has a dermatologist, 
you could ask your other physicians, your other doctors that you see, like your primary care doctor. You could also just search for a dermatologist. Um, if you're looking for a black dermatologist, there is a black derm directory that you could look up on Google and you could look up the Instagram for that page. And otherwise, just, you know, asking word of mouth or looking looking on your own, seeing who's in network with your insurance and who's close to, to where you live. Okay. Are there any other resources that people can go to that you would recommend um, to learn more about skin regimens or products? Not necessarily. So I would say definitely, you know, you can follow different different dermatologists on Instagram. Most of us have, we'll highlight every now and then some of our favorite products and how they work and what they do and just being careful about going to stores and being sold a lot of things that you may not need. Okay. So if we're trying to keep up with you, how can we keep find you? Um, so I practice in Atlanta at Dermatology Affiliates and I can be found on Instagram at Derm Dr. Clay, D-E-R-M-D-R-C-L-A-Y. Okay. So I think that's all that I had. Was there anything else that you wanted to share? Nothing that I can think of. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I felt like there was a lot of information given here that I think will be very helpful. Oh, well, that's good. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to educate and hopefully steer people in the right direction. So thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. So what do you guys think? I learned I'm definitely not doing enough as far as sunscreen, but I'm going to upgrade myself. Now, if you're lucky enough to be in the Atlanta area, you can find Dr. Clay at Dermatology Affiliates, or you can keep up with her on social media at Derm Dr. Clay. Of course, you can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Yo This Can't Be Life. Also, we're available for your listening pleasure on all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Go ahead and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And please consider giving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or sharing your favorite episode on social media. Until next time.